Hey, my name's Adam, and I am the West Shore Campus Pastor here at Coastline Church on beautiful Vancouver Island. Welcome to our podcast. All the content that you will find here is meant to point you to Jesus and encourage you in your journey wherever it is that you find yourself. So thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoy the message. Man, it was so good having Reed do that. Good old youth Reed. Reed, way to go, bro. That's awesome. Gold shillings. There you go. What a, what a guy. And double what's up. If you've been here twice, double what's up. There you go. Uh, we're, we're three weeks into our particular series on firm foundation. And uh, we, we, we sang about Christ being our firm foundation this morning. And, and as a church, that's kind of our story. Christ is our firm foundation. But what does that practically look like? How do, how do we walk that out? And, and so in week one, we talked about prayer and the importance of prayer in our lives. Um, last week, we talked about the Bible and the, point, the importance of the word. Uh, this morning, I want to speak about this idea of being witnesses. And what does it mean to be a, a witness uh, for Christ? As I was preparing for today's message, there's, there's two things that the Lord kept bringing to mind. Over and over and over. They were, they, were, they were on the forefront and I couldn't shake them. In fact, I, I was so excited about this particular message that I actually wrote three sermons. Um, and, and I say that, it sounds really impressive, but I think it's because the first one was awful, so then I had to write a second one, and then that one was even worse. And then the third one, we're finally starting to get somewhere. There's two things at the end of the day that are so important for you to grasp. There's two things that we, that we need to know, and in fact, more so than know, I, I believe that there's two things that we need to own as a church, and, and there's, there's two things that we need to understand before we leave here today. The first one is this. People are hurting, and they need to hear the message of Jesus. That's number one. People are hurting, and they need to hear the message of Jesus, and number two, your role your role in communicating that message is more important than you know. Before we, before we get started, I, I want to pray for you. Would you please bow your heads with me? Jesus, as I mentioned earlier, I'm so thankful that you're real. I'm thankful that you're here. I'm thankful that we're all here together. God, I believe that this morning you have something specific for us. So God, would you give us ears to hear you? Would you give us eyes to see what you're doing in our own hearts, in our own lives? God, may we, may we leave here different than the way that we came. God, I'm praying for fresh revelation of your scripture today. God, that, that something would come alive inside of our hearts. God, I'm praying that your spirit would be present here today. That, Father, you would awaken something inside of each of us. Because, God, you've got a plan. So, Lord, we give you permission to do it. In your name we pray. Amen. So, number one, the world is hurting. People are hurting, and they need to hear the message of Jesus. Number two, your role in communicating that message is infinitely more important than you could ever possibly know. So, what is the message of Jesus? How do, you, how do we articulate it? The Apostle Paul, he summarizes the, the message of Jesus into 12 words. 
And, and this is one of my favorite examples, my favorite definitions of the message of Jesus. And it's found in Romans chapter 10, verse 13. And, and here it is, ladies and gentlemen. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. It's simple and so extraordinarily profound. Everyone, it starts off. The message of Jesus is for everybody and anybody. It doesn't matter who you are or where you're from. The message of Jesus applies to everyone. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord. You see, the message of Jesus, it's both simple and, and personal. It, it's, not, it's, it's not complex. And I think that's where we get it wrong sometimes. We get this idea that to, to, to be a Christian, it, it, it's so hard, it's so confusing, it's so difficult. I'm not saying to be a Christian is easy. But what I am saying, quite, quite literally, is that being a Christian is simple. And then oftentimes we overcomplicate it. And being a Christian is very personal. And I think that's where we do ourselves a disservice sometimes. Because sometimes along the way, we just throw Christian into, to be a Christian into the religion category. It's just something I do, something a part of me on Sundays, it's a part of my routine. But if we're honest, sometimes it's not actually a part of who we are. And that's where this Christian thing comes alive. So it's everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, the message of Jesus is a, a message of second chances. It's a message of, of new life. It's a message of hope. It's a message of healing. Isn't that good news? Like, like verse 13 it, it is so encouraging. But then verse 14 and 15, they, they, they dig a little bit deeper. And what Paul does here is he begins to ask the reader some questions. And essentially what he's saying is he's saying it's, it's all good and great that, that everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That's awesome. But verse 14, question one, he says, but how can, how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And then he asks another question. But, but, but wait, wait, wait. How can, they, how can they believe in him if they've never actually even heard about him? And he goes a little deeper. So, wait. How can they hear about him unless somebody tells them? And then he goes a little bit deeper. And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? These are, these are really great questions, Paul, but, but, but what, are you, what, are you, what are you getting at? Without being sent? Who are the sent ones that he's talking about? Who are the ones who are responsible for telling people about Jesus? Well, the answer is us. The answer is all of us. The answer is the church. We are literally God's rescue plan for humanity. This. And this is how we're going to see our world become a better place for our children and our children's children. 
You see, we're God's strategy for reaching people. The people who are hurting, the people who need to hear about this message of Jesus. Friends, this isn't actually an optional assignment. This is on all of us. No, it is. <laughs> that was so perfect. It's on all of us. So, so what does this actually practically look like? Because I know some of you are panicking and thinking, oh, great, an evangelist. And to better understand our role as God's rescue plan for humanity, I believe these verses will help you to develop a healthy perspective on what that means for you. So let's look at verse 16 together. If you have your Bibles, go with, it, go with me in your Bibles. I'm reading from New Living Translation. If you don't, it'll be on the screen. But catch what it says in verse 16, and this is where we'll start. Then the 11 disciples left for Galilee, going to the mountain where Jesus had told them to go. When they saw him, they worshiped, but some of them doubted. If you're a Bible underliner, I would encourage you to underline that particular word. Some of them doubted. And I want to pause for a minute and speak to somebody in this room. When they saw Jesus, they worshiped him, but some of them doubted. And if you're sitting here doubting this whole Christian thing, you're not the first person. I, I remember when I was in grade 10, we had this new student transfer into our high school. And it was pretty big news, like major news. At least for my friend group, it was major news. Because <laughs> this person was a major, major babe. Like, like literally everybody was talking about her. She, she had this mystery about her because she lived on a sailboat. And all of a sudden there's this girl who lives on a sailboat who would take the time on a school day morning to glue these little gems on the side of her face. <laughs> she was mysterious. She was there. And get this, in high school, she competed in the Miss Nanaimo beauty pageant. <laughs> and she became, she became the Nanaimo friendship ambassador. She had a tiara. She was royalty. She keeps telling me I'm dead from the front row. <laughs> I can hear her. I, I doubted, I doubted that she would ever want to date a peasant like me. And that new student was Shandy. Yeah, she was. She's now my wife. And I doubted I would ever be able to date her, but then I married her, so take that, doubts. <laughs> but some of you might be here doubting the existence of God. Maybe doubting your faith in God. Maybe doubting whether or not God actually loves you, whether he even cares whether this church thing even matters. Maybe you're doubting that God would ever want to use you to spread the message of Jesus. The truth is, doubt is not evidence that something isn't true. What doubt is, is it's evidence that your brain works. 
It's evidence that you're processing what you're experiencing. And this is actually a good thing. So don't be discouraged if you're feeling some doubt this morning. Because if the 2002 Nanaimo Friendship Ambassador can fall in love with me, <laughs> then maybe, just maybe, what seems impossible for you might be possible for God. The doubt's a fascinating thing. It's powerful. But it shouldn't actually control us. Verse 18. Verse 18 says this. Jesus came and, his, and told his disciples... This was, this was his pre-speech before, before the huddle. And these are the words that he said. He said, I've been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Listen, before Jesus sent out his disciples, he reminded them of his authority. Let's just take a minute on that. Like, think about what happened there. Before Jesus told his followers what to do, Jesus literally said, listen, I've been given authority over heaven and earth earth. Think about that one sentence. This one sentence needs to inform the way that you practice your faith. If you remember anything I'm saying today, remember those words. Jesus said, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. There, there, there's nothing I cannot do. There's nothing that that, that I do not know. There's no place I cannot access. Nothing is impossible. I can literally do anything. And, and when you pray, be encouraged. Because this is the God that you pray to. The one who's got authority over anything. Authority over everything. Jesus is not a uh, a 2,000-year-old dead prophet. Jesus is not just some old, wise, great teacher. Jesus is not just some, some religious icon. He's God. And he's been given authority over the heavens and the earth. And, and, and just as he's just as available right now as he was in those moments when, when these words were originally penned. So let's unpack that for a second. So his, his opener was, I've been given authority over everything. I can do anything. Then it says in verse 19, it says, therefore, go and make disciples of the nations. Let's look at this word, therefore. Therefore, it speaks this idea that keeping this in mind, this idea that I can do anything, I've been given authority, Therefore, do this. Keeping this in mind, know this. I want you to go, it says. I want you to go. You're being sent. You are my strategy. You are my hands and my feet. You are my representative. You are my voice. You are my rescue plan. You got this. I've been given authority over everything. With that in mind, I want you to go. And I want you to go and make disciples. And, and, and this, is, this is confusing at times, because what does that even mean, go and make disciples? What is a disciple? 
Well, disciple's a student. So Jesus is saying to his followers, saying, listen, I want you to go and be teachers. And I want you to go and make learners. I want you to go and model from uh, model what you've learned from me. Let people see the way you interact with society. Let people see the way you handle culture. Let, me, let people see the way that you engage with church. Your, your, your Christianity is not meant to be a secret. So go and live so different that the way you live your life piques other people's attention, piques their interest. What is it about them? Why do they respond like that? Why do they do that? Why is it that when they pray, they pray as though they believe that God actually hears them? Why is it that when they go to bed at night, they spend time reading their Bible as if they believe what the words in there are actually saying or, or maybe even true? What is it about them? Why are they so quick to forgive? Why are they so compassionate? Why are they so helpful? This is what he's getting at. Model this stuff. Go and make disciples of all nations. And I love this piece. Because it speaks to this idea that everybody has a place. Everyone's included. If you look around, it's really dark, so don't look around now. <laughs> but we, we in so many ways have become an all, all nations type of church. And, and I, I believe this is our pathway forward as a church. You know, there was a day, and we still do, but as Canada, we, we, send, we send missionaries to other countries to tell, to tell people about Jesus. But we live in this really unique space right now where, where our immigration policies are so open that the nations are coming to us. And I'm telling you, that is a good thing. It creates this beautiful opportunity for us as a church to be able to show the world who, who, who Jesus really is. And I want this to be a part of who we are, a part of our DNA, not just something that we, we say. I want this to be something that we do. So in a, a few weeks, on February 5th, I think that's the day. Is that the right day? Not this Sunday, but next Sunday, two weeks away. We're going to have an international lunch. That's the plan. We have an international lunch. And so this is how this is going to work. Otherwise, it's going to be really lame. We want to encourage you to bring a dish that, that represents your culture. Bring something from home. And something, that, 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 something that's yours. And bring it, and we're going to share it together. And we're going to have a meal after the church service on Sunday in two weeks. So the way we're going to make this work is after the service today, I need you to sign up for a dish. Otherwise, we're eating toast together, okay? <laughs> toast for 300 people sounds awesome, doesn't it? No, it doesn't. It sounds terrible. Our international lunch can be amazing, but only if we partner in this together. And so after the service, just outside these doors, next steps booth, info desk. Right outside these doors of the info desk, we'll have a sign-up sheet. We want to host our very first, first of many, international lunches that we're going to do in two weeks' time, okay? So this is exciting. This is really exciting, okay? As we figure out how to celebrate our diversity here at the church, 
I, I just I believe that people will begin to come and hear about how Jesus is moving in this little high school in Langford. So sign up and bring a dish. Okay, here we go. But then he says, what does he say? <laughs> so he's going to baptize them. That's what he says. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. You see, baptism is significant. Baptism is significant and symbolic. Baptism symbolizes new, new beginnings, new, new life. You see, you can't be half Christian and half something else. And this is what Jesus is saying. He's saying, listen, what I'm sending you out to do, I, I need you to be all in. And, and, and I need you to go out and I need you to go tell people. I need you to go disciple them. But I need you to also, I need you to baptize them. Because you can't be half Christian, half not Christian. I can't be married to Shandy and married to somebody else at the same time. It doesn't make sense. It doesn't work like that. You can't blend religions. You can't take a little bit, little bit of this and a little bit of that. That's not how this works. Society tells us that. Oh, just, 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 just you do you. Take the best pieces and, and make your own truth. Life doesn't work that way. <laughs> that sounds good. That's the most politically correct way that you can speak to somebody. But sometimes being politically correct doesn't mean that you're right. So you can't blend, can't blend religions. You, you can't take some of this, some of that. I can't be married to Shandy on Sunday and married to somebody else during the week. There's no such thing as half Christian. There's no such thing as kind of, sort of, slightly Christian-ish. There's no, so, there's no such thing as just Christian on Sundays. It doesn't work like that. And, and, and maybe you've been, that, that is your faith. And you're like, whoa, 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 what? You're telling me that there's, there, there's a gap here? Yeah. I'm also, also going to help you understand why it might seem that God is distant at times. I'm also going to help you understand that why it might seem that there's, there's this gap between you and God where, where it feels like, there's, like, like there's, there, you're missing this connection. Well, why, why is that? Because Christianity is meant to be all in. That's where, that's where we, 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 we reap the rewards of it. If you want to be baptized, what are, you, what are you waiting for? So in three weeks, in two weeks, we have international supper, lunch. In three weeks, we're going to have a baptism service here at the church, outside, warm water, promise. But outside, here, after the service. And you have, if you haven't been baptized yet, Come talk to us after the service. You can come talk to me. You can talk, talk to one of our team. Specifically, I want you to go speak to somebody at the info desk, and we'll get you signed up and, and, and set up for getting baptized. We can explain you what it is and, and walk you through it. But baptism is an important piece of the Christian faith. And if you call yourself a Christian and you haven't been baptized, let's talk about it. Because why? 
You don't, you don't have to wait. I remember thinking that I had to be a super Christian before I got baptized. It doesn't work like that. It doesn't work like that. It's about the authenticity of the moment or the, the, the honesty of the heart. It's not about being perfect. It's about saying, God, I want you and all of you in my life right now. So this is this in verse 20. He says, teach these new disciples to obey all the commands that I have given you. And, and, and this, I find, is where we tend to get jumbled up and, 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 and confused. Because which commands do we emphasize? Which commands are, are, are secondary? Which ones are we supposed to live by all the time? Which ones are we not supposed to live by? How do, how do you discern that? How do we know what really matters and what really doesn't? Because the Bible, Adam, you said that Christianity is simple, but the Bible's kind of complicated, and you're right, it is. How do, you, how do you make sense of it? Well, ironically, Jesus actually simplified this for us. And what we need to do is we need to stop emphasizing the things that didn't matter to Jesus. What's the most important thing that Jesus wants Christians to do? Well, let's look at Matthew chapter 22, verse 36. In Matthew 22, verse 36, it says, Teacher, what is the most important commandment in the law of Moses? You want to know what Christians are supposed to look like? Is that what you're looking for? Well, verse 37, this is what Jesus responds with. He says, You must love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. Love God. And oftentimes we just leave it there. But verse 39 is critically important. Verse 39 is how we show people who Jesus really is. Verse 39 is how we contextualize our faith for the world to be able to see it. Verse 39 is how, how this whole Christian thing starts to actually make sense when you say, this is actually the hope of the world. This is how we'll actually make a difference. This is how lives will actually be impacted. Yeah, it's verse 39. It says, the second is equally important. What? Love God and the second is equally important? Look, as a Christian, I get it, loving God. But equal importance? It says, love the neighbor as yourself. The, the tragedy with Christianity sometimes is we have Christians, we have churches that are full of people who love God and hate their neighbor. And that's not how it's supposed to be. You can't love God and not love your neighbor. Now, you may have a neighbor that makes you want to just punch them right in the throat. <laughs> but you still got to love them. A second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. Verse 40, the entire law and all the demands of the prophets are based on these two commandments. So essentially what Jesus does is he summarizes everything. He says, do you want to know what it looks like to be a witness? Do you want to know what it looks like to live out your faith? Do you want to know what it looks like to be a Christian in 2023? Love God and love your neighbor as you love yourself. I find it interesting that when it comes to teaching new Christians how to be a Christian, we often start with stressing the things that Christians shouldn't do. 
rather than the things that we're supposed to do. Dear Coastline Church, this is how we are going to change the world. This is our strategy. We're going to love God, and we're going to love our neighbor as ourselves. And then he says this. This is Jesus' finale moment. And I'll close with this. He says, you can be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the days. And if you're just blasting through this Great Commission, trying to memorize it, that's usually the piece that we skip. But this piece is so important. Because the way it works is this. This is the full statement. Church, I have been given authority over heaven and earth. I can do anything. With this knowledge, I want you to do this. I want you to go and tell people who I am. I want you to go and live out your faith. I want you to go make disciples and, and baptize them in, in, in my name. But I want you to understand this and I want you to remember this. I am with you always. I'm not, I'm not sending you out to do something I wouldn't be willing to do myself. I'm not sending you out to be on your own to fail and fall on your face. I am with you everywhere that you go. I don't, I don't know what your faith journey looks like. But when I'm walking down the street, I'm not walking down the street with physical Jesus by my side holding hands. Jesus isn't physically with me in the room when I'm having an argument with my wife. Or he isn't physically in the room when I'm going to work on a Monday morning. He isn't physically with me in the room when I'm writing an exam, when I'm at school. How is he supposed to be with me always? What does that look like for us today? Well, I want you to consider Acts chapter 1, verse 8. And it says, You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. And then you will be my witnesses, telling people about me everywhere in Jerusalem, throughout Judea, Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. In other words, the way that Jesus is with us always is through the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit. And if I'm going to be honest with you this morning, I don't think any of us have any idea how significant this next season of our church is. I believe this school is too small to contain what God has planned for us. I believe this, this world is hurting and needs the message of Jesus. And I believe that we are a part of God's rescue plan for the West Shore. I believe that, 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 that you're here on purpose this morning. So you can hear these words that I'm sharing with you. Listen, I believe that if you don't have a relationship with Jesus, you can be rescued. 
you found the right church. But I also believe that you, if you have been rescued, that God rescued you so that you can be a rescuer. It's time for us to step up. You're not here by accident. You've been placed here for such a time as this. I believe you've been anointed for such a time as this. I, I, I believe that you are a leader, that you're a person of influence, that there's people in your life that God has specifically placed there that only you can reach. I believe you're a message carrier. I believe that you're a witness. And this is, this is what I believe. I believe the tides have changed. And I believe we're stepping into a new season. The tide came in, and, and this is the fruit. But now the tide needs to go out. And I believe that the Holy Spirit is gonna send people back into their homes, their workplaces, their schools, so that we can bring what God's, what we've been experiencing here, there. You see, the majority of Jesus' miracles didn't take place inside a church or a synagogue. They were done in the community. And just as a, a tide has a rhythm of coming in and coming out and coming in, out, coming in, coming out. I believe that today God is sending us out so that we can rescue people and bring them back in. Will you stand with me? I think one of my favorite things about God is because when we have a relationship with Him, He goes with us everywhere that we go, right? If that is to be true, that's so encouraging. So what we're saying is that everywhere I go, Jesus goes. And we get to bring light everywhere. I want to close this morning asking the Lord to show up in a powerful way. We're going to ask the Holy Spirit to, to fill us with his presence. So that way we can be witnesses with his power. You see, the gospel is good news. We get that. We know that. But the way to bring life in this world is not through a theological argument. It's through a spiritual revelation. And God wants to use you. Would you bow your heads with me? Jesus, I pray for each and every person in this room. Father, I thank you for bringing them here this morning. I thank you for what you're doing inside their heart, inside their life. Jesus, I pray that you would help us to see ourselves the way you see us. Holy Spirit, that you would fill us with your presence. God, that we would be your vessels, your hands and feet. 
God, that you would help us to love people the way you love people. That you would help us to see people the way you see people. Lord, I pray that you would break our hearts for the things that break yours. God, that you would give us boldness and confidence. God, that we can walk with purpose and peace. Holy Spirit, we invite you to come. Holy Spirit, we invite you to have your way with our lives. God, may we, may we stop settling for what we, for what we assume you're going to do. And would you expand our faith? Would you expand our trust? Would you give us boldness to step out in ways that maybe we didn't feel comfortable with before? Jesus, we are your hands and feet. We're the light of the world. Shine through us, Lord. In your name we pray. Amen. Let's sing together.